0: are at 1.30 this afternoon. Our evening services are at a special time, 1.30 uh, this afternoon. Also, I would personally, and Janice and I would personally appreciate your prayers. I didn't ask uh, Steve to make this announcement, but last night we lost a very dear friend to cancer, uh, Linda Moorer, M-O-O-R-E-R. The Morers are very special people to us. Uh, Rex, a gospel preacher, baptized my wife into Christ, had a great influence in my life, and uh, his wife died last night at 1024. We'll be going there on Saturday, a week from, uh, just about a week from now, for that service. But they would, I know, appreciate your prayers, that family. Uh, they are up in the uh, Mount Juliet areas where they live. He preaches for the Flynn Creek Church near Gainesboro, Tennessee. And uh, they will be having a memorial service next Saturday. Also, Mary Goldston is, has a sinus infection. We need to remember Mary in our prayers. We've been missing her, and we want to... Uh, remember her in our prayers as well, that she'll be able to be back with us uh, uh, very, very soon. Eddie Kraft uh, needs no introduction to so many of uh, you, if not all. Uh, Eddie, as I mentioned in Bible class, is a fine gospel preacher. He was uh, baptized into Christ right here at the White Oak Building in 1969. He and Wesley Simons obeyed the gospel at about the same time. Wesley influenced Eddie after Wesley learned the truth. In fact, uh, at the house this morning, Eddie was reminding me that on the way here for uh, Eddie to be baptized, Wesley nearly pulled out in front of a car. And uh, and Eddie told him, Wesley, if you're going to kill me, wait till after I'm baptized before you do. <laughs> so we're, we're uh, thankful that he made it to the building and that uh, he was baptized into Christ. And the rest is history, as they say, in terms of... Uh, the good that he and Wesley have done and continue to do. We also want to remember Ida Bell Craft. We have mentioned her before, who is uh, battling cancer, and uh, Eddie's sister, one of his sisters, who's with us today, and we're so glad that she's able to be here. But we certainly want to keep her in our prayers as she battles cancer, and I think there is some improvement now that Eddie mentioned last night, and we're so glad uh, for that as well. But we appreciate having Eddie and one of his grandchildren with us, Ryan. Emanuel uh, is with us, and uh, we were glad to have Brian in our home, a fine young man, and uh, we're delighted to have them with us. Without taking more of his time, we're delighted to have Eddie with us, and he'll come and speak to us at this time. Jim mentioned that Wesley had
1: been an influence in my life to uh, encourage me to obey the gospel. So I wanted to emphasize that again because that's about the only good influence he ever had in my life. <laughs> Wesley and I, I'm his uh, uncle. We're brother-in-laws. We married sisters, and we're third cousins. And we're not from West Virginia either. <laughs> but we uh, we grew up on Signal Mountain more as brothers than uncle, nephew. And uh, we have had the privilege as the good Lord would see through Providence to be able to work pretty much side by side in a lot of the works uh, through the years after graduating from the Memphis uh, School of Preaching. And so we have been fortunate in that area and we look forward to always being together and working together in those uh, areas. But it's good to be here and I appreciate this good audience this morning. So good to see everyone. Appreciate so much Brother Cooper's prayer and Bobby, as always, does an excellent job in leading the singing. Of course, the song leader doesn't make the singing. He helps, but the congregation singing with him is what really helps. And you did a good, did a good job this morning, and we appreciate uh, every act of kindness shown to us. And far too numerable to get into and reminisce about all of our fond memories of this congregation, and the good eldership here. J.C. and Ann have been such an important part. Of my work and Wesley's work through the years, we love and appreciate them. And I know he's been battling some health issues, but uh, he and Ann are dear friends of ours. And all the eldership here, we appreciate so much. And uh, what you do and the work that you do and the encouragement you give not only to me and Wesley, but other gospel preachers as well that you've been such an instrument in. Many of you, uh, of course, were here in 1969 when I obeyed the gospel. I don't know if I say, should say many, but some... And I don't know why you've gotten so old, I look the same, and, uh, but some of you have changed. But uh, I am so glad to see all of you, it's such a blessing, and those that I have not got the privilege of being around that much, I'm glad you're here, and we look forward to the opportunity. Glad Ryan could be with me. Ryan is uh, one of my favorite grandsons, along with two others, and his sister is my favorite granddaughter. She's the only granddaughter we have. And uh, so she's my favorite granddaughter. And for a long time, uh, Hannah thought I was saying that she was my favorite grandchild. Then she got a little older and she realized I'm his only granddaughter. And I said, Hannah, that don't make a bit of difference. You're still my favorite granddaughter. And she is. And we love our grandchildren very, very much. And they're all special, of course, as every grandparent realizes. Have you ever uh, been reading the Bible? And you come across that verse and you think about that verse and you look at that verse and you begin to ponder it and then it kind of dawns on you, God must have put that verse in the Bible for me. That means so much to me and it makes such an impact on your life or my life. And I'm going to talk about one of those verses this morning that to me, God looked down through time. He saw Eddie Kraft, and he said, you know what, that old boy's going to need some help, and I'm going to help him. And so he gave me this verse that's kind of stuck with me. It's found in the book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse 28. And I'm sure it's a verse that many of you or all of you may be able, able to quote. But quoting a verse is not the most important thing. Applying the verse to your life is the most important thing. You see, that's when a verse really means something is when a person realizes how that's applicable to him. The scripture says in Romans 8:28, we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, that are called according to his purpose. Now I would like to break this verse down and to its component parts and notice seven laws that are taught by this verse of scripture. Seven laws that help us to be better Christians. I want you to notice, first of all, Paul says, we know. He did not say, I assume, or I just think, or I feel like. He said, I know. Now, the word know gives us the law of assurance. I know. This is not happen chance. This is not guesswork. This is something knowable. And we live in a day and age where we have all kinds of forms of unbelief and things that discourage us and things that cause doubt upon things maybe we've never doubted before. And it seems like that we live in a day and age of uncertainty. And so to be able to make knowledge claims is something that's very important. Some time back in the 70s, a little thing called agnosticism began to grow, but it began to grow in the church, And that was a little bit alarming. I could understand it growing in society and among the philosophical world. But for members of the church to be caught up in, and even gospel preachers, to be caught up in the idea of uncertainty and not really ever making any knowledge claims. And so today the religious world in general and some in the church do not feel that any knowledge claims should be made. Atheism will run as far as the north is from the south to keep from making any certainty, knowledge, claims. And so we live in a philosophical world of doubt, and in a world of doubt, and so if we're not careful, we get caught up into that to where, as one boy even said, I'm not even sure that I exist. And he thought he'd test that. And so he went up and knocked on his own door. And his mother came to the door and he said, Who lives here? And she said, Who wants to know? And so once she found out who wanted to know, she found out, he did, that he could know some things. And so we can know. And Brother Deaver used to say, if someone tells you you can't know anything, just know it anyway. And so the Bible tells us that we can know certain things. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth, that is that knowledge of that truth, will make you free. And so God said you can know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The Apostle Paul on another occasion writing to a young gospel preacher said, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto himself against that day. Ladies and gentlemen, I can know that God exists. I can know it by his beautiful handiwork. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. I can know it. By divine revelation. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And so the scripture says. That the evidence is so clear and plain. A fool it would take. To say there is. No God. And so the Bible teaches. That we can know things. And we can know that there's a God in heaven. We can know the Bible's inspired word of God. We can know the church of Christ is that body for which Jesus died. We can know that we're here and we can know that heaven is real and we ought to shun hell. And we can learn those facts and know them and be able to be pleasing and acceptable in the sight of God. And so when I live in a world of doubt, and times in difficulty, I come to appreciate the fact the law of assurance Blessed assurance, you see. And it is a blessing to have the assurance of knowing that we're on the right course, headed in the right direction, so that we can be pleasing in the sight of Almighty God. And so, number one, we see the law of assurance. But number two, he said, we know that all, there's the law of inclusion. Notice he did not say that I know that just some things or most things or a part of things work together for good to them that love God. He said, I know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And so it's not just a matter as I go through life that a few things are happening that will turn out for good. Friends, if you are a faithful child of God, any difficulty, trial, tribulation you go through in life, if you're a faithful servant of God, it will work out for your good. Now how do I know that? I know that because Paul said that all things work together for good to them that love God. And you may not understand how. Joseph, no doubt, didn't understand how all of this stuff he was going through, sold by his brothers, taken into bondage, and all of that was going to work out for his good. Maybe the apostle Paul, when he was taken and put into jail, could not figure out how is my imprisonment going to be Uh, falling out under the furtherance of the gospel. He would later write about it in Philippians 1 and say, Look, I found out something, that I was able to reach people and do things I could not have done had these things not come my way. And so we may not be able to understand the details or all of the whys or the wherefores, but we know and have the assurance of knowing That when we serve God and do his will, all of the things that happen to me in life can happen under the furtherance of the gospel and for the betterment of my life to make me better. Paul even found out that some of the afflictions and trials he went through made him stronger than he would have ever been otherwise. And he wrote about it. And said, I find that when I am weak, I'm strong. When I find out I'm in infirmities, that it's a blessing to me. And I come to realize where real strength comes from. It's not in man that walks. It's not in our own abilities, but rather in the God that lives in us. You see, that's what makes the difference. And God, in his strength and in his power and his might, in our lives, can bring blessings that we're not even aware of, that someday we'll look at this thing from the other side of the picture and say, Wow. I never dreamed what a blessing that was to my life. That I'm a faithful child of God even more so now than I was before. And I realize the experiences have made me better. And so we have the law of inclusion. And I couldn't tell you how many times in my life that I would get to feeling a way that I should not feel. And I'd think about this passage. And I'd say who knows but such a time as this. God's will is going to be accomplished in my life for the good and not for the worse and so we learn through life that god's in control and that he'll take care of it but i want you to watch not only do we have the law of assurance and the law of inclusion but we know that all things work there's the law of operation they work together for good to them that love god and so you have the work there is a work And so God says that we know all things work. And so these things are working out and they're going to work out for my good no matter what condition or situation I might find myself in. It's going to be all right. It's not going to turn out bad. It's going to work all right. God's working the plan. And the plan will work. And we have the blessed assurance of knowing since it is God's plan, it will work. And all of those uncertainties and all of those things that may cause a little bit of difficulty in human thinking can be wiped away. I couldn't tell you how many times I thought about this verse and just said to myself, Eddie, it's going to be all right. It's going to work out. Because you see, God's in control and not man. And it'll be okay. And so you pick up the pieces and you go right on and you do what you got to do. Because you realize this is going to be okay. And so how many times have I, in discouraging moments, looked at this passage and thought this is a blessing to my life to realize that God's word is able to build me up and to give me strength and encouragement to know that all things are working right now for my good. Because God is in control. But now watch again. Not only do we have the law of assurance and inclusion and the law of operation, but the law of Cooperation. They work together. They work together. They're not on a collision course. One's not tugging this way and one tugging that way. These things are working together. Isn't it wonderful when things work <laughs> together? Isn't that wonderful? Things work together. They're not on a collision course. How wonderful it is when you go to congregations and you find brethren that are working together. And how sad it is and heart-wrenching and breaking when you find brethren who maliciously attack one another and hate one another and have no feelings other than bad ones toward one another. You see, that destroys a work. It's when things work together that things work out alright. When the old physical body, all things are working together, it's going to be okay. It's when something goes awry and something doesn't function the way it ought to function, that's when you got troubles. But we need to learn that in God's scheme of redemption, you have a law of cooperation where all things work, but they don't just work, they work together. They don't work against each other, and they're not on a collision course with one another. They work together. That makes me feel excited to know that I can be a part of a work that God is behind, and when I'm a part of it, all things are functioning and working together. And we'll talk more about this this afternoon. But you take the physical body. Which part of your body is more important than the other parts? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Every part of your body is important. And if you don't think so, just cut your big toe off. And you'll find out how important your big toe is. A friend of mine cut his big toe off. And for years he walked around with a limp. For years he had trouble with his balance. He said, you know, Eddie, until then I never looked down and thanked God for my big toe. But he says, I do every day now. You see, you don't realize what a blessing a part of the body is. And Paul uses that in a spiritual way in the Corinthian letter. And says the eye can't say to the ear because you're not an eye. You're not important and vice versa. Every member is important. You know what that means? That means if you're a member at White Oak, you're an important member. And you're no less a member than an elder or a preacher or a deacon or anyone else, you are a member of the body. And not every member of the body has the same function. But every member of the body is important. There's no big eyes and little U's in the church of Christ. We're all on the same playing field. We're all special in the eyes of God. And when we look at that, we realize that we all then are to work, but we're to work together as God's plan is working together. And so when I look at the Bible, I don't see a book that is filled with division and strife in the sense that God's people are all tore up. But rather I see a harmony from Genesis to the book of Revelation and a unity that is so beautiful and magnificent that only God could be behind it because no man could get it off the ground and wouldn't even attempt because it's not what we would do. And so the Bible says that all things work, but they work together for me. And so I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I feel pretty good about that. I can do as the old boy said, whistle while you work. I mean, it's wonderful. Life is beautiful. And God wants it to be beautiful. And that don't mean there's not times of discouragement and time of sickness, but folks, all of that happens just to get us even to the better. You see, it's all going to be okay because God's working it together for each and every one of us. So we have the law of cooperation. All things work and they work together. But now notice this. They work together for good. There's the law of compensation. Now God doesn't have to compensate, but he does. You know when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God could have said, okay, out of the garden, I'm done. I'm through with man. He stepped out on his own and now on his own he's going to be the rest of his life. But God didn't do that. You see, God saw man in a dilemma man could not get himself out of. And instead of God turning his back on man and saying to man, you did it, now you live with it, he said, no, I'm headed for Calvary. I'm headed for Calvary. And if you'll do what I've asked you to do in obeying the will, then I will compensate you for with blessings you couldn't even begin to imagine. You see, that's the law of compensation. And that law has followed all the way down through the word of God. As one fellow said in the Old Testament, you know, God hasn't punished us near to what we deserve. Our punishment is less than what we deserve. And when you think about our lives and where we're going, even though we've sinned and made mistakes before God, God will have you stand before him at the day of judgment. Now listen to this. Blameless. What? God will have you stand before him at the day of judgment as if you were never to be blamed for anything. Now that's pretty good, isn't it? To be able to stand before God knowing my weaknesses and my frailties and my difficulties and my disappointments, no doubt to God, that if I live faithful to him and his blood covers me of my sins, someday when I stand there, he has not kept a record of my wrongs. But rather they were covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and cast into the depths of sea and forgotten as if they never had been committed. Now that's pretty good. And he said, you'll be holy and blameless before God. You see, that's compensation. For a life of faithful service to God, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you rule over many. You see, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, I'll throw all this stuff into boot. Now, that's not the way he said it, but that's exactly what it means. He'll throw that into boot. He'll give that to you. You see, you're worried about how tall you are, how short you are, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. You're all concerned about all of this stuff. He said, listen, take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow, take thought of the things of itself. Just do my will today. And all this stuff you're so concerned about, I'll throw it in. <laughs> I'll give it to you. The law of compensation. All things work together, but they work together for good. They work together for good. Not for bad, but for good. And sometimes we don't understand that. And sometimes we don't see any good in what's going on in our life. And we feel like maybe God's abandoned us or he's turned his back on us and we have all those special verses and sometimes even entire books to say, listen, <clears throat> I'm on your side. Some of you will be cast into prison. Ten days you'll be in tribulation. But you be faithful unto death and I'll give you a crown of life. A crown of what? A crown of life. Everlasting life. Eternal life. A place reserved in heaven for you that's everlasting. They work together, but they work together for our good. And so we need to realize they work together for our good, the law of compensation. But now watch another law, and this one among all of them is the one that's the most overlooked. I've heard people say all things work together for good to them that love God, who are called according to his purpose, and acted as if they were in that class. They were in that number. Well, who does he say that all things are going to work together for good for? To them that love God. There's the law of inclusion. You see, it includes those and only those that love him. Who are they that love God? John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus said, you're my friend. If you do whatsoever I've commanded you, you look those up, John 14, 13, or 13, 14, and 14, 13. They'll both work, okay? (laughs) They're beautiful. But it tells us who loves God. The man that loves God is the man that does what God says. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. All things work together for good to them that keep his commandments. The Bible says keep his commandments. They're not grievous. And we ought to keep his commandments. And that's the way we demonstrate how much we love God. I know how much he loves us, but how much do we love him? I try to tell Betty every day I love her, and I do. But sometimes she says, prove it. <laughs> and that's a little more difficult than saying it. Did you watch the uh, program this morning? Brother Dedman gave this kind of the uh, formula for success. What was it? Do her list first, you know. So that's, that's a good policy. Do her list first. I tell you, it pays rich dividends, and it works a lot better than the other way. Believe me. I found out if I want something, and I know Betty's not going to agree with me getting it, I just simply say, honey, don't you need this? And I give her some idea of what she needs, and she wants it, and so she gets it. And so then I get, I mean, it just works better when you take her list first. But when you look at the Bible, doesn't it work better when we consider what God wants first, and then do it, and then our lives are blessed by it? We come out the winner. Because we did what He wanted done. Because what He wanted done was the right thing to do. And it's always been that way. And it will be the day we die. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now when you go through the Bible, you find that is true all the way through. When people did what God said, there were times they were put in dungeons and in prison. And a lot of things happened to them that were... Bad in the eyes of men, but it fell out to the furtherance, and they walked out on life's other side stronger by it, and it truly worked out for their good because they love God. I have the privilege of teaching some of those Old Testament books. And I'll tell you something. God came to Ezekiel, said, I want you to go to this stubborn, rebellious people and preach to them, and when you go preach to them, they're not going to listen to a thing you say. And I read that, and I thought, what would have been my response? I might have said to God something like, well, I ain't going then. I might have said that. I'm not going to go. If that's the way it's going to be, why would I waste my time going to preach to people that's not going to listen anyway, and you done told me they're not going to listen. Well, you see, Ezekiel, this is not just for them. (laughs) Because if you're not going to do what I tell you, you're no better than they are. This is not just for them. And sometimes we think about a book of the Bible, we think it's just for the people whom they were being sent, but that's not always true. It was true for the people that they were being sent to, but it was good for the people going to. That they would do what God said no matter what. That's the Great Commission. We're to go preach and teach the lost, and it doesn't matter what they do with it. That doesn't give us the right to say, well, if they're not going to listen, I'm not going to go. We've got to go anyway, or we're no better than they are, because we're not listening to God either. All things work together for good. To them that love God, the law of limitation, who are called according to his purpose, the law of design. His purpose. His design. His handiwork. He's behind it, folks. It's going to work, okay? It's going to be all right. Here's the law of design. Notice they're called according to his purpose. I don't have the time to develop it, but if you'll take that word purpose in the book of Romans and you search it out, you'll see... That God has a purpose. God has a plan. And you can be a part of that purpose. And that purpose is always right. There is an election according to purpose. There is election according to purpose. People that are elected are those that are called by God into the family of God through obedience to the will of God and they become a part of that purpose as a result of their tremendous love for deity. And so we have those seven laws. We have the law of assurance, the law of inclusion, the law of operation, the law of cooperation, the law of compensation, the law of limitation, and the law of design. Now I can't tell you the times that I read that and looked at that and thought, that's my verse. And then I thought, if that's my verse, That's probably hundreds of other people's verses as well that need to hear it, need to be blessed by it, and that's what the book's for, to build us up give us an inheritance among them that are sanctified and be richly enhanced. Maybe you have never experienced the beauty and blessings of being a Christian. You have that right and privilege today. By hearing the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Through believing Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, John 8, 24, except you believe I am He, you'll die in your sins. Through repenting of your sins, turning and going the opposite direction, stop doing wrong, start doing right, that's repentance. Through a change of heart, confess the beautiful name before Jesus, confess the beautiful name of Jesus before men, Matthew 10, 32, 33, and be buried in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. One other story. A few weeks ago, I was asked to preach at C Street. Robbie was going to be gone. And I preached. And I was told this was going to happen beforehand. But they rolled a man down the aisle, 83 years old, I'm thinking, to be baptized. Now, this is going to take some time. He's in a wheelchair. We get three of us, actually four, and we take him up the steps to the baptistry and seemed what, what seemed like forever to get him ready to be baptized. And then after he was baptized, to get him out of that baptistry, to set him back in that wheelchair after we carried him down the steps, to get him in that wheelchair, which seemed like an eternity, it seemed like it took this man forever to be baptized. But ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter how long it takes. But I thought in my mind this. How many people were sitting in that audience that had good health, that could get down that aisle in a split second, get changed in a split second, be baptized in a split second, and get out of there in a split second? Do you know someday you've got to stand beside that 83-year-old man and you're going to give an account for why you didn't do what he did? The time and the effort it took was nothing compared to the blessings that this man's gonna receive. Thank God that you have this opportunity to make your life right with him. Maybe you have done that and somewhere along the way you become discouraged and you need to come back home. If you do, won't you do that? If we can help you as we stand together and sing the invitation.